From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. This is Real Talk, a new podcast series where we're going to break down the stigmas and feelings of embarrassment and talk openly and honestly about just how difficult breast cancer can be. From diagnosis to treatment to living with metastatic breast cancer to life after treatment ends. In today's episode, we're going to bust some myths. Because young women can and do get breast cancer. While the average age at the time of a breast cancer diagnosis is 62, Janelle Adams and Maria Costa were both much, much younger when they were diagnosed. I'm excited to welcome both of you to the show to talk about going through a life-altering experience in your 30s and the challenges and obstacles you both had in getting your medical providers to listen to your concerns and get something as simple as a mammogram. Ladies, thank you for being here today. I know the paths you've been on have not been easy, and unfortunately, I think many listeners have had very similar experiences. So Janelle, let's start with you. Tell us about your journey and your story. Okay, so my journey started honestly in... 2020 to be honest um I started experiencing like symptoms on my left breast it was a rash and I went to my doctor they said oh it's just eczema but I've had eczema my entire life so you know I didn't think it was eczema but I did listen to them and I got some steroid shots and some steroid cream nothing was happening my nipple still was like very heavy deteriorating it was itchy it was just disgusting it was nasty and went back, went to a dermatologist. They told me, oh, it's dermatitis. It's this, that, and the third. Took some cream for that. Nothing helped. And then I'm just like, okay, should I get like a mammogram or, you know, something to this nature? And they were both like, oh, you're just very young. It's, you're young. Don't even worry about that. Let's just, you know, it's probably like a milk dud. But at the time, my kid was seven. So I'm like... I, that's impossible. I wasn't breastfeeding her. So, all right. But, you know, doctors know more than we know. So eventually I was still on the cream, but eventually a couple, you know, within that time, you know, how doctor's appointment go, it takes a while to get to them and everything to make sure that this cream is working, that cream is working, nothing was working. A lump eventually grew. And then um, I went to my primary when I spoke to, I kind of had a whole attitude of meltdown and I was speaking to the receptionist and she said, I'm just going to get you a referral to get a mammogram, the receptionist. So um, went get a mammogram um, and got the ultrasound and the way the radiologist was just there talking to me, just like, make sure you go get this checked out, make sure. And then it was like, they called and then the very next day I went to get a biopsy. That was a Friday and then that Tuesday, I was diagnosed, which was 15 months after my initial symptoms was going on. So it was, it's more so like, you know, I had a whole lot of things against me. I'm young, I'm black, Hispanic from an urban area. I look a certain way and, you know, they believe or I guess assume that I didn't know what I was talking about or, you know, just, it, and that sucked. So it was like, so I have to be 50 to get a mammogram like what's going on. So I was diagnosed with a uh, stage three, three, three triple negative uh, breast cancer. The tumor was about 7.5. 
So um, initially I went right into treatment, not necessarily, I kind of um, pushed treatment back for a while, about a month, and then I started treatment in September, um, the 23 rounds. But with the 23 rounds, my tumor shrunk, like it did shrink. I didn't feel it anymore. It was, you know, going very well. Also did a clinical trial, completed chemotherapy, which was honestly chemotherapy felt like death. I felt like I was never going to make it out. I never, like going through chemo, I didn't make plans because I didn't think that, I, I don't know if you went through that, but like I didn't think, I just wanted to make it to the next day. The bathroom floor was my best friend. Like it was my best friend. And it was like trying to explain that to my husband. And then um, like my daughter, you know, her watching me go through that was like, you know, physically me changing and then being sick and not being able to do like a lot of things is kind of hard for like my family, just me and you know everything in general. So I completed chemo in February and then I got a, my surgery in March which was like about three weeks after finishing chemo. And um, I was gonna get a lumpectomy, but literally last minute I said, just take them, take a book. And my surgeon said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, but I just don't ever wanna go through chemo again. Hopefully, you know, I just wanna try to prevent this as much as possible, whatever. So um, I did get the surgery and then it was like, um a sense of relief that was like I cried I didn't really cry that much I cried but not it was a different cry when I got out of surgery and I just remember just like did they get it did they get it all that's that's all I remember saying like did they get it did they get it all and um I did get um eight lymph nodes removed they were negative so it was great um I did not um need to get radiation which is another good thing. Um, but I'm currently still on immunotherapy for about four more rounds. So right now, this treatment that I'm on is like a piece of cake compared to chemo. You know, like this is just nothing compared to that. But yeah, it's it's been like so crazy. I mean, I spoke to you like prior and, you know, we were like kind of like mm -hmm. on the same path like roller coaster and it was like it, it feels like so much better when I was talking to you I was like oh I like that like we're yeah. you know like we're we're here we understand like yeah. our ugly phase that we feel like we're going through and then the air the, like going through death and everything like you know felt mm -hmm. like it at, in our 30s right and I still think it's wild that we were diagnosed a day apart it, that's crazy a day apart same age same age and a day apart and it's like this was destined it was it really yes, was definitely was yes oh my mm -hmm. god yeah so yeah that that's that's been my journey like some just just some of it yeah wild so crazy Right. It's been like a roller coaster. Super easy. Just piece, piece of cake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, you. It, you know, what's crazy. I felt like um, when we talk like to breast cancer survivors or anything mm -hmm. like that, or and our breasties, it's like, how much time did you put in as if we were in prison? Like, right. how, much, how much time did you get? You know, how many rounds did you do? Oh, okay. I did. You know, and it's like, right. Being so young and it's, and it's so hard. You know, I don't think people understand that people can look like us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we look 
normal or anything like that. But inside, you know, we're just 80 years old, you know, we're physically falling apart and it's the worst experience ever. Like, I think as a young adult, it's just been the worst because I felt like everybody else's life was going on and mine stopped. Yes. Like our life stopped with a pandemic and then to have it. Oh my, I felt like I was in another pandemic. Yes. It's like, okay, two years of that. Now I lost another year and a half. I'm going on year two. It's like, where's the last four years been? And that's what I said. I said, this is ridiculous. (laughs) This is like, I just want to say I'm 30. I'm not, I want to say I'm not even, I lost that time. Yes. Yeah. I feel because time is something we can never get back. And. I, we are the same age, but I had not had children yet. Yeah, so exactly. raised my eggs before I started chemo. That was so and it's like, now I'm like, well, I'm 35. Or I mean, I'll be 35 in December. Right. Like, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to, to use my eggs. And it's like, at yeah. least that's one positive thing about this. I was able to freeze my eggs. Yeah, yeah, that's that is a positive. You know, they didn't even tell me about that probably because I had a kid already, and mm-hmm. I was just, you know, I kind of wanted to get the ball rolling. But I'm happy you did that because that's yeah. no, you never. It know. was torture. How yeah. anybody gets pregnant, I I, 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 I can imagine. It's truly yeah. a miracle because it was so regimented. My stomach was so black and blue. I'm like, this is torture. Men have, men could never, men could never. No, they couldn't, they couldn't do it <laughs> no. with no boobs or nothing. No. You know, they just, they couldn't do it. You know, my so. dad walked in the one day I was giving myself shots and he was like, oh no, what are you doing? I said, I'm literally just injecting hormones into my stomach. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But he thought it was, it was really cute. So I got 26 eggs, 19 matured. He's like, so you can have 19 kids. I was like, well, I can have 19 chances. He's yeah. like, but you have 19 kids. It was like, do you want 19 grandchildren? Do you want 19? Because <laughs> you you're going to watch them. Right. <laughs> exactly. He was like, oh. I'm going to need some help. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. God. And it's yeah. so different when you are a single woman going through this. Yeah. Everybody, a, a lot of women in my support system are married or have somebody yeah. or also went through a traumatic experience. And I don't know what would have been worse if I was dating somebody and they broke up with me before this or mm. doing this single. And it's not so much that I didn't have a support system. I have a great support system. Yeah. It's like, it's, you, I don't feel like a woman. I mean, I put a dress on today. I did my makeup, but I don't feel like a woman. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. And I, I don't like, you know, it I was- feel again yeah it was it was hard I mean still kind of you know um like I didn't look down for a while at the surgery Mm -hmm. like my husband kind of did everything and you know as 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 much as he tells me like you're I don't care about that you're you know you're alive you're good you're beautiful and it's it's it's, thank you but just to me I don't like what I'm looking at in the mirror that's not what I'm used to exactly that's, that's a different kind of you know, but wait, Maria, just tell your story. Yeah. I don't want to, okay. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. Just tell no, your story. Cause your story is so interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, Maria, I am 34 years old. I was diagnosed at 33, but I have a very extensive family history of breast cancer. My grandmother had breast cancer in the eighties. Um, and then fast forward to 2009, my aunt was diagnosed. And fast forward to 2021, 
my mom and my dad's sister, my other aunt were diagnosed within weeks apart. So it's time for my annual and I'm at my gynecologist and I asked, I said, Hey, you know, my mom, who is also her patient, you know, that she was just diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and my dad's sister was also diagnosed with breast cancer. So now I knew it was on both sides, but now it's really on both sides. Right. Exactly. But at this point, neither my mom nor my aunt did genetic testing. So we didn't know if we had the BRCA gene yet. So I'm basically told now I'm too young because my mom was in her 60s. My aunt was in her 50s. And my gram was, I want to say she probably got it when she was in her 50s, but not diagnosed to her 60s. So I'll just have my regular routine mammogram at age 40 because they were so, because my aunt and my mom were so old. Right, exactly. So frustrated, I didn't know what to think because again, I'm 33 years old or 32 years old. I don't think anything of it. I'm like, okay, whatever. But the more I thought about it and the more I spoke to my friends about it, they said, you should really call back and say, you want that in your file. That you asked for, yeah, you want that in mm-hmm. your file that you asked for a mammogram and you were denied. So fast forward to a year, my mom, my aunt, both my aunts and my mom are both doing wonderful. Oh, um, my grandma was 2020, but it wasn't because of breast cancer. She was a 32 year survivor from the eighties. They gave her a like very high chance of not surviving. And she survived till she was Look at that. Come on. Yeah. Now. That's amazing. She, yeah, yeah, she was very inspirational. So That's very inspirational. Yeah, yeah. She's great. These are most of her decorations behind me. But <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's what you told me. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so I, you know, my mom and my aunts all recovered beautifully. My mom didn't have the gene. My dad's sister, my aunt didn't have the gene. So we're like, okay, it's great. But it still right. was in the back of my mind that something could be wrong. Um, I was on, I had IUD as my form of birth control mm-hmm. for many years. So I never got a period. So right before my appointment in 2022, I started getting periods regularly. And the day of my appointment, I was due for my period. So my boobs were like really swollen. And, you know, she does the exam. She goes up to do the breast exam and she immediately finds a lump. But I'm told, "Uh, did you have caffeine today? And I was like, no, I woke up, I showered, I'm here and I got to go to work. Exactly. Like that, yeah. my thing. I said, I was going to Starbucks after. <laughs> and she's like, I'm sure it's nothing. It's probably nothing. Cause again, you're so young. Mm, I hate that. I hate that too. Take and, it out their vocabulary. Yes. And then, um, so she set me up with this, um, imaging center to have a mammogram. So I call the one close to my house on my way to work. I tell my dad immediately. Cause I was like, I'm not telling mom until I get my biopsy right. because she had just gone through it, but I could tell my dad and it just ate at me all day at work. And so I eventually told my mom that night, but when I called the place to get my mammogram, they're like, Oh, we can't get you in until August. Now this was July. And I was like, again, what was, I was still in shock. So I was like, okay, bye. My mom called, or when my mom talked to me, she said, you need to call the other locations. I called the location in the South Hills, which is like 20 minutes from me. 
And they got me in immediately. And so my lump was found on a Tuesday. My biopsy was on a Thursday. And I went to that imaging place and they said, so you called another one and you couldn't get in. I said, no, they told me a month wait. They said, that is not our policy. If you find a lump or a doctor finds a lump, we get you in within 24 or 48 hours. They, I mean, every nurse, they were wonderful. They were absolutely wonderful. She says, we will have a talk with them because that's not, no. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're going to come in here and we're going to do this. So that was Thursday. Monday, I got the call that it was breast cancer. Mm. And it was invasive lobular carcinoma. So you go through all everything. I was three different stages. At first, I was stage one. Then after my MRI, I was stage two. After my surgery um, that I chose for a double mastectomy because mine was in my right, but my mom and her sisters was in her left. So I was like, just take both because I don't, again, I don't want to go through this again. I don't when I'm in my sixties have invasive ductal, which my mom had. So I went in and it ended up being stage three. My tumor was 10 centimeters and they took 12 lymph nodes. 11 of them were malignant. And when I got to my wonderful oncologist, she told me, she was the first one to tell you this. You have probably had this for a couple years now, and, yeah. but it was very slow yeah. growing, but you have had cancer for a very long time, yeah. but I had zero symptoms. I had nothing. That's and I had yeah. asked, I said, if, if I waited until 40 to have my mammogram, what would have happened? She said, you would have known before then because it probably would have spread to other organs. And luckily my margins were clear. They did not break the margins of the lymph nodes, but I went through, I had 16 rounds of chemo, but they kept getting delayed because I had issues with my reconstruction. I had reconstruction. I got infected. My reconstruction is no longer. Um, So it kept pushing back chemo. So I started chemo in November. I was supposed to finish in January. I started in November, ended in May. That is how many delays that I have had. Right. And I tolerated chemo pretty well. Um, I'm blessed other than losing my hair. I really, only one cycle, I was very sick. Mm-hmm. And then I had 25 rounds of radiation. Oh my God, how that, was that? Um, it was daunting. It was exhausting because you had to get up yeah. every day and go. Every day, right? Yeah. And I had a recurring seroma on my right side right. and we had to stop radiation because I had to get that drained and had a mm-hmm. drain placed. And because of that, I got an infection after radiation that ended me back in the hospital. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been a year. I've had six surgeries. I just had a surgery three weeks ago and mm-hmm. I am still in pain. I still have my drain. It's like, I'm back to where I started a year ago. Oh yeah. And it just, when does it get better? That's when, yeah, exactly. When, when does it, when do you start when do we get to start living our normal, normal yeah. 34 year olds? Yeah. Cause now it's like, you know, I have these, so I wanted to get, I think I told you, like, I wanted to get the deep, yes. but yeah, I wanted to get the deep, but I was, you know, they told me just come back in five years because of your, you know, diagnosis. So mm-hmm. I just want to make, basically just want to make sure you're alive in five years. Right. So, and now it's like, okay, I have to get, you know, implants, which I, like you said, I had an IUD for a long time, so I don't want to 
keep putting these things in my body. But now I have these expanders, which are so uncomfortable. Like mm -hmm. to this day, like, you know, I'm what, six months out of surgery and I just feel they're very uncomfortable. And it's like, people are like, I I met a girl and she had her experiences for three years. And I said, how did you tolerate it? Like, how? Like, I don't, I, I can barely sleep on my side. Right. And even my yeah. aunt said, she had, she also had them and she said they're, she's still uncomfortable and she's almost two years out. See? It's, yeah. it's oh because it's, they take, it's not a boob job. We had amputation. Oh, they, we, oh my God. That's what I say. And I, and I try to explain that to people mm -hmm. and it, that's the worst. Um, and I know that people don't mean nothing by it. Oh, right. at least you're getting a free boob job, you know, but no, not the scars. We don't get no sensation. You know, we, Right. Some of us don't get nipples, you know, and it's my present company. Me, me, yeah, <laughs> me too. I don't have any. So we're in, we're in company girl, yes. you know, so it's like, we're the real life Barbies. You know? yeah, yes. We, yeah. We have no nipples. We have yes. no sensation. This is not a cosmetic surgery. It's right. And it's amputation. so poor because like the implants just go on top of your breast tissue. Yeah. We, exactly. there's nothing here anymore. Nothing, nothing at it at all. There's nothing. No. And I am completely flat over here right now. Right. And over here, because I did have the expanders in and then they came out. So my skin was stretched a little bit and mm -hmm. I was very large chested. I had double D's. I so, did too, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I knew I had a lot of skin there. And so my left side looks like a small A cup. But on my right side now from my most recent surgery is completely flat. So I'm right. like, again, I'm lopsided. Yeah. How am I going to like, you know, manage mm -hmm. this? Yeah. And I don't, they don't know if I can have reconstruction again because right. of my issues with the infection. And I, they, they're pushing for the DIEP surgery. And I'm like, I don't know if I want that. It's so, <laughs> it's so intense. Yes, I had melanoma, right? I, it was stage zero melanoma, but I still had melanoma. Still had it. <laughs> right. So this is my second bout with cancer, even though the first time it was just dig it out, move on, we'll keep checking you. Right. But I don't want to put my own skin and cells and everything up here when I already removed that because that's where the cancer was. Right. Because I have to have a biopsy. And this is the other thing. I had an abnormal test come back and I have to have a biopsy at the end of October in, in, in my mind, I was like, oh, it's cancer again. Yeah, yeah, even, that's, yeah. Even my oncologist is like, listen, this is very routine. I was like, no, nope, it's cancer. It's done. No, yeah. I had this, I was literally just on the phone with my nurse navigator before this and because mm -hmm. I have scans next week. And um, I was just like, she's like, why didn't you tell me you were dealing with this pain? And I was like, because I don't want it to be cancer. I just don't want to hear it's cancer. And she's like, Janelle, it can be anything. It can be from chemo. It could be from this. And I said, no, it's cancer, girl. It's cancer. Right. I know what it is. And it's like, just please don't let it be. But sometimes I feel like we just have to tell her, you know, give ourselves. Right. Because they're like, oh, it's super easy to take care of. And I was like, is it though? Yes, is it? Is. We have to go through this. <laughs> you know, we're the ones. I still have my port and I am very superstitious. I was like, I don't want this out. I said, I as long as my oncologist is okay with me keeping it in, I am keeping this in until I know I am a hundred percent clear. My surgical, with you on that, like yeah. I wanted out in a year and I said, absolutely not. Yeah. I said, because I'm not dealing with that surgery again. Cause that, that I was mean, so uncomfortable. No. And I was so black and blue and it like, you just felt it right. All this is over here. Nose. 
and I, you couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep because yeah. the expanders, little did I know at the time I had an infection, <laughs> but it was just horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Those are things that you people don't talk about. No, they don't ever, ever talk about that. And I was trying to like prepare myself for the surgery, but there was mm -hmm. no preparing because everybody was, oh, it's easy. No, I looked like I was in an abusive relationship. Yes. <laughs> it was, it yes. was just so black and blue. And I was like, and at the time, you know, I didn't tell nobody about my diagnosis or anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was trying to just go about it and live my best last days as, you know, pre-cancerous. Right. And I couldn't. I was just bruised it was horrible so you mentioned how you cried after your surgery i cried when i was diagnosed i was at work i was at my brand new job i had just started a month before that oh and like God. i told my boss it's like listen i'm gonna take a phone call i'll be right back and i was numb like i'm brand new at this job and i just texted my boss i was like i have cancer can you bring me my water bottle that, that's what I said to him. I was like, oh I have cancer. What? Give me my water bottle. Oh my God. So and they, were, they were amazing. They're like, do you want to yeah. go home? Like we can get you an Uber. We'll get your car to you. I said, no, I need to be here. I need to be here. I need to work. And like, I made all my frantic phone calls. But really the next time I cried was literally they were rolling me into surgery. Right. It's so because like, I feel like our brain is on autopilot. We just yes. have to go. It's go, 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 go. Up every day and go to work. I yeah. had to get I had yeah. to continue to live my life until the day of my surgery. And that's what I was thinking the same thing. You know, I kept um when I when I was diagnosed, I was new too at work. I was like three months in and mm -hmm. it, it was so like I felt I was had good relationships with everybody there and everything. When I told my, you know, the managers and everything, they were very, like, it was amazing. They were so good with me. They let me work from home when I started chemo. But prior to all of that, I remember having doctor's appointments and going to work right after, <laughs> like MRIs and going right after. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Have, I, have a half day in the office, then go have a biopsy, then come work from home. Then come I back, yeah. In the morning, go to my appointment, finish in the office. I mean, from the day of my diagnosis till my, till my surgery, I mean, I was working, yeah. but it was like my brain, it's like, I just didn't compute what I was doing. It was yeah, just so, yeah. and they, my company has been wonderful. Like I, like I said, I was only, I started in J June and I left right before my surgery and all I wanted was a happy hour just with my coworkers. They were phenomenal. They had this big, like. I don't even know how many people showed up. I'll have to send you the picture after this because oh I was totally blown away, That's totally cool. blown away by all the support. Yeah. And I knew that's exactly where I'm supposed to be. That's because right. I feel I like my whole job, it, it just, it just wouldn't have been the same experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what I, I don't know if you get this a lot, but because I'm out of treatment and I am in the next phases, um, it's like people think that you're automatically better. Ooh. Honey, I think <laughs> I think right now, right now, I think it's mm -hmm. the hardest part for me because during treatment, after treatment, you know, when you're basically you can't do anything, that's when everyone is contacting me. Everyone is, you know, it was so much support. And you're not saying that I don't get it now, but it's completely different. And um, but once they see you ring that bell, mm-hmm. Oh, she's better. Right. She's so good. You know, we don't have to text her no more. You know, and it 
it sucks because I feel like this kind of road to survivorship is the hardest. Like, it's the, oh, absolutely. It's so hard. And, and I don't hear people talk about that enough. And it's like, they don't. It's no. your diagnosis until you ring the bell. Yeah, and you ring the bell and it's not over. Because I yeah. honestly, I would assume that it was over after that. But then, right. yeah, I, I would assume that everything was over. But then, you know, living with cancer and now kind of knowing things, it's not, you know, there's different treatments, there's clinical trials, there's this, there's that. And it's like, this is forever. It, feel, it feels like it's just like a forever thing. It does. Like, I have, like, I haven't had, ind- I've had, I have independence, but I don't have independence mm-hmm. for the last year. Yeah. Because after each one of my surgeries, I can't drive. So I'm yeah. reliant on so many other people to help me. I still can't lift this arm high enough to like, I had my mom help me put this dress on. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot. And that's what people don't understand. And like, I, we're both 34. Yeah. And my first appointment after chemo, they told me that I'm basically going to remain in menopause until my body goes into menopause. This is what they told me too. I asked, I was like, well, what does that mean about my fertility? I, I, I'm single. When I was diagnosed, I didn't think of my fertility. I didn't, that that's not where my mind was. And to be told you could possibly never be able to carry your own child. That was stripped away from me. Exactly. And this is not something that like, you know, you didn't go out and get this, like, you know, this This was just, this is the hand that I was dealt. Yeah. It's the worst. Exactly. Why? I don't know. Because I think I'm a delight. I don't know what I do. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I feel like I'm a great person. I wouldn't even wish this on my worst enemy, honestly. Yes. And and it's, I say that a lot. And it's like, you know what? I don't, I might not like this person, but I would not want this person to go through any of this. No. Mm -hmm. No. And it's, and people that, it's good intentions. People say things to you that are good intentions. Like, yeah. I am told I am beautiful. I'm an inspiration. I'm this. I don't feel that way. Mm. I don't feel that I am beautiful. Right. Because like yes. this whole time I'm freaking out that my little flippy. Oh my God. Gonna... Look at this right here. Me too. That's how <laughs> yeah. I feel. Oh my God. Yes. Can we put like, it down? Like, the whole time. Like, yeah. Like I am, this is what, or like, oh, it's your smile. It's this. You can tell me that till you're blue in the face. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will never feel that. And when I go out, it's, I dress the nine. Sometimes I wear a wig. Sometimes I don't. And let me tell you, the day that I wore my blonde wig, the, that is the most attention I've gotten in a long time. Ooh, blonde. And it I irritated me. It yeah, irritated. I, like, I was going to ask you that. How is it now? Like, okay. Like, how is it? Do you feel normal when you go outside or does it feel awkward? What? Going out or wearing my wig? Like just going out, outside in general. Um, when I'm with like my core group of friends, I'm fine and everything. But when I go to like different places or I'm with other people who continue to build me up, but as a single 34 year old, it's like, nobody's going to approach me to talk to me. Guys aren't coming up to me and talking to right. me. Yeah. And, or if they do, they're like, oh, well, she had breast cancer. Like, like she's so strong. She did this. And the conversation turns yeah. to, well, my mom had it. My aunt had it. That's great. But 
I'm also single. So it's yeah, exactly. like dating. I know that should not be a main priority for me. No, but it like, should be a girl single for a long time. And I, and I dress fantastically. Like I look cute all the time. I'm embracing my, my non chest to go from a double D to nothing. That is a huge adjustment. I can even be wearing a t-shirt. Like I went to the pit game with my friends on Saturday and I just like looked down and I'm like, this logo should be out to here. And it's not, it's completely up. Nothing. Yeah. And it's a brand new shirt and it's hard. It's It's hard hard to look at this body and say, this is what I have to deal with. And I will take off my shirt for anyone. Listen, I was like, I don't got nipples. It's fine. Like if I, if my bathing suit top came off in the ocean, it's fine. Like yeah. it's not real, but to be intimate, I don't know if I could. Yeah. yeah. It, I have no it, idea. It, it's been hard. That That's, that's been hard for me. Like I've noticed, like I keep my shirt on or you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. I don't like, like even my daughter, she didn't, I know, you know, she's a kid, but she's when I first had surgery and when I took my shirt off, she said to me that it scared her that my chest scared her and I was like imagine how I feel you know like not being funny but you know imagine if if she felt scared it was like this is just not what I expected like you know it was just the worst oh yeah and then you you know like you said people try to make you feel a certain way but Mm -hmm. it's it's not what they say it's us and you know when I look at my chest it doesn't say strong it's just right it's what I have it's it's this is who I am now Cause I, when I had, I sent you that picture of, um, when, when my hair was curly, right. but with my, with my expanders and I kept saying, cause God bless my dad. My dad took me to a lot of my appointments cause my mom was working Well, my dad was working too, but he was able to, to work from home and take me to my appointments. And I looked at my dad. I was like, dad, I have Frankenstein boobs. These look like Frankenstein boobs. And he's like, it's fine. And I will say my scars have healed beautifully but my right side has been open three times now Mm. and I still have the bandage over here so I don't know what this is going to look like when I take it exactly and over here the scar it was open twice and the second time they used staples because the infection was so bad they said they opened it and it was like Mount Vesuvius like it was it was really bad I said huh okay (laughs) so they couldn't use stitches because the the would have dissolved the stitches oh. and that's what I think about the GIEP surgery too I was like I don't want yeah. scars body everywhere and I don't want that either I just mm-hmm. I just want to feel normal again but I don't yeah. think you know now it's kind of like the quote-unquote new normal but I don't know like when is that going to happen you know when right. when am I going to feel that is it going to be when I'm completely done with treatment or after surgery or you know that's been hard or five years from now, because we're not technically cancer right. for five Thank years. Thank you, out. and and that's another thing we have to live with that on our mind. It's kind of like everyday living, living in fear of reoccurrence. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, you know, it's, it's like I don't want to live like that, but right, that crosses my mind all the time. Was yours hormone positive? No, negative. Okay. Yeah. So mine was, so I, that's why I'm in menopause. So I take a hormone blocker Yeah. and I was supposed to start this new med, um, Varzenio, I think it is. Right. It, yeah. It, I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. Twice a day for two years. So the Arimidex and the Varzenio together, there was a clinical trial, the Monarch E trial, I think it was called. And they together, it like helps 
it lowers the risk of reoccurrence. Well, because I had an infection and because uh, we are waiting to do this, this surgery I had a couple weeks ago, I hadn't started the Fresenio. So I'm already, I'm supposed, I was supposed to start that after radiation in July. Mm -hmm. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, is the Arimidex working? Is it, is it, is it feeding on something else? Because I'm not taking that second element. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm going to start that until after my next oncology appointment. So, cause I was told like, this is your path. This is what you're taking. And this entire time, every path I've been on, there's been a bump in the road. Yeah, that's the every single thing that I've done. I wanted to pop in um, and, and, and really just say thank you both, you know, for, for being just so profoundly open and honest and, and vulnerable. Um, uh, it's, it's been in, uh, inspiring, I think, to listen to. Um, and I really appreciate the, the strength that you both thank have. You. Um, thank you. Uh, but but I want I did want to ask one question uh, the, yeah. b- before we we close out because uh, I I could honestly I mean I, I think this conversation could could cover like <laughs> four or five or six episodes um, but, but uh, uh, and and maybe we should do that in fact uh, but before we before you think about that I, I did want to ask you um, what would you say to any other young women that are in your shoes right now don't take no for an answer I should have fought harder in twenty twenty one because my path could look totally different. If you say no, have them and make sure they put that in your chart and then maybe get a second or third opinion. If you feel like something is wrong, you are your best advocate. Yes. Nobody knows your body more than you. And don't ever Mm -hmm. let a medical professional tell you that. I would just tell people that you're the captain of your own ship, that you decide what happens in your journey, not necessarily your team or anything. So that's just... I love that. Like I, I love that. for my most recent surgery, because they didn't want to do it. And I right. said, listen, you keep sticking a drain in me. You keep, and it's, it's a recurring issue. I want this surgery. Mm. And they're like, okay, we'll do it. But it was going to be, let's just wait and see what happens. We're, yeah, and that's their thing. Like, let's see. just, let's just wait to get you this scan. Uh, no, I'm in pain now. Let's do this right. now. Like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? You're literally sitting here. So come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Janelle, you I mean, what you said, you know, you are your own best advocate. And I think yeah. uh, it's always so important to remember that. Um, well, again, I mean, again, I, I could, I could, I could go back, uh, you know, go back on mute and listen to you both talk for so long. Um, it, it's just, it's so helpful. And really, I think it, it what you've done today is you've helped um, those of us that care for others that are experiencing this um, to sort of see behind that curtain that's so hard for us to understand. And, and hopefully um, just to gain a little bit of empathy uh, for where you're coming from. And so I, I think you've done a great service to, uh, to the breast cancer community, uh, both to people that are going through it and, and hopefully to those of us that also care for those individuals. So thank you. Uh, thank you for doing that. Thank, thank you, you for so giving much. us the space. Yes, seriously. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.